0: Well, you know, most of us like sports and, and all of that. And sometimes when you're in a game, somebody comes and takes your place. And we say, well, that's a substitute. And I remember when I was at Mississippi State, and even if you think about Oklahoma State, we have we have all kind of wide receivers because we throw the ball almost on every play. And the guy that's in the game is running every play. And we used to have a deal that when, our, when, our, when we had a receiver that when he needed to come out of the game, he would just touch the top of his helmet like that. And we, the, his backup would go right into the game. That would be a substitute. And when we think about salvation... We realize we need a substitute. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We're we supposed to die. And what do we do? We say, Lord, what are we going to do? We need a substitute, someone to take our place. And of course, God has provided. I think it's coming. Uh, what is that? That's not, it should say that God has provided a substitute to save us in Jesus Christ. There it is. God has provided a substitute to save us in Christ. That's, that's where we are. Uh, when we think about that, uh, without Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Without Jesus Christ, we'd be separated forever. He took our place down on the cross, paying for our sins. He's, he is the, the provision and the substitute. God has provided a way. Well, this evening, and this is a little bit unique, we're going to see the seventh plague that God actually has a way of escape. And we're saying, so far, all these plagues, He hasn't talked about any way of escape in anything. Uh, for those who believe Him and take Him at His word, they can escape the coming hailstorm. God has a provision. I think it's just a foreshadow of what God does for us. He has a provision for us. Well, as we continue this evening in Exodus 9, God brings another plague. Now, think about what's happened. Moses and Aaron have confronted the Pharaoh, telling him to let God's people go. Pharaoh, in his pride, refuses to do it. He, he believes he's a God. And if he, if he does whatever God says to do, he will be admitting <clears throat> that the God of the Hebrews is a greater God than he is. That's why he doesn't want to do it. <clears throat> so the purpose of the plagues is really twofold. One, judgment on the false gods realized that there are no gods. And the truth is, there are no gods. We see the pride of Pharaoh. You know, in our world, people talk about false gods, but in reality, there's no such thing as a false god. There's only one god. God the Father. You know, one god who is in three persons. Father, Son, Spirit. One god. There are things that people worship That are called false gods and there's the whole issue of Satan who's an angel who who is called the god of this age, but he's not a god. He, He God has allowed him to rule this age, but there are no gods. So judgment on the false gods of Egypt, there are really no gods, but judging what they thought were gods. And then we see the power and the majesty of the true God. So there's so much there. And let's think about the plagues. Now, there are ten total plagues, each one a judgment on the gods of, of Egypt. And there's a cycle, a, th- a cycle three cycles of three, and then the final plague. You remember the cycle. Here's what we said, that the first one they say in the morning. The second one of the plagues was to go to the Pharaoh. And the third aspect of the plague was no warning, and we see that that's the cycle that goes over and over. Let's review for just a second. Think about this: the very first one, in the morning, they went out and the river was turned to blood, judgment of the Nile. Second, he went to Pharaoh, and that's the frogs, the god, and that was the judgment of the goddess of fertility. Then the third one was no warning; that was the gnats, Seb, the god of the earth. That was the first three cycle. Now, remember, we've already seen the second three cycle. In the morning, he went up insects, and that was the insect god. Then he went to Pharaoh disease on the livestock and then the third this one the sixth one no warning boils, type the, the you know typhoon the the evil genius now in the cycle you send the morning to the pharaoh no warning in the morning to the pharaoh no warning we're fixing to get the seventh one what's it going to be what's it going to be in the morning and we're going to see it as we see through this and this is the cycle now let me let me break down the passage for you so you can see how it fits and 13 through 19, there's instruction to Moses. All of this is from God. God's telling him what to do. Then we receive, receive the response by the people. We see the plague, the judgment, the hailstorm. And we see Pharaoh's response. Again, it's hard-hearted. It's, it's a hard heart all the way through. Now, we saw... Uh, was it last time at the, at the sixth one or at the fifth, between the fifth and the sixth, that it actually said God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Up to that point, it's always Pharaoh, always Pharaoh hardened his heart. We'll see. It's Pharaoh again in this. So let's see the instructions. Look at verse 13. This is where we stopped last week. Then the Lord said to Moses, guess what? Rise up early when? In the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. You know, throughout I guess throughout most of my study, and I guess I just, it hadn't hit me until even just several weeks ago that, you know, we always hear the thing was, let my people go. Why? Why let the people go? So they can serve Him. See, right now, the Jewish people are serving Pharaoh, a false god. God says, no, 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 they're not supposed to be serving you, a false god. They're supposed to be serving me, the true God, because they're, my people. And, you know, think about it, what he says. The Lord, L, capital L-O-R-D, said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, go to Pharaoh. and says, thus says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. That's the personal name of God. And then he says, by the way, I'm the God of the Hebrews. Let my people go so that they may serve me. Realize that we've seen it over and over. And this is the statement that we want to put for you. That the Jewish people belong to God. They are his people. They belong to Him. They are to serve Him. Are the Jewish people the most unique people on the face of the earth? Or are they like every other nation? No. Uh, it, has God done something with the Jewish people that He has done with no other people group? Yeah, he set them apart. They are. They are His people. And He has chosen them from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, to Judah, to David, all the way down. His unique people. During World War II, even though six million Jews died, were they still his people? Had God forgotten his people? No, he did not. And we just never need to get over the fact that the Jewish people are a unique group of people chosen by God to do at least two things. One, give us the word of God, the written revelation. And number two, give us the Messiah. Both came through the Jewish people. Think think about this. Realize that we have trusted Christ. We belong to him too. Now, we're not called his people in the sense of a nation. But we're called his people in the sense that we're the body of Christ. The, the church. And we've been bought with a price. And Ephesians two eight nine says, For by grace we've been saved through what? And not of our... It is the what? Gift of God, not of... Works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? For good works. It didn't say that we, ha- we do good works and show we're saved. He just said we're created by God to do good works. Doesn't necessarily mean we will. But we are created to do that. We belong to him. We are, we are to serve him. God says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go that they may serve me. Now, God's going to give more details. And I think this is amazing that, of course, this is what God said. You tell Moses this. I mean, God says to Moses, you tell Pharaoh this. Look what he says in verse 14. For this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. Now this is God telling Moses to say this to Pharaoh that Moses is saying, here's what God says. God says, I'm going to do this so you will know that there's no one like me in all the earth. There is only one true God. Let me tell you, the river Nile is not a God. It's not. And, and, and a frog's not a God. And a gnat is not a God. And the sun is not a God. You know, and you start looking at these things and you say, I used to say, how could anybody think that's a God? I mean, think about it. How could you think of frogs a God? I mean, you just look at it and he says, listen, Egyptians, you have to know that there is nobody like me. Now, he has been showing. He's been showing Pharaoh by these powerful acts that he is the true God. There is no other God. Watch this. I love verse fifteen. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. What is God saying to Pharaoh? Hey, I, I've been holding up. I've been holding back. But if I really let if I really let go, you'd all be dead. Let me ask you something. If God stopped controlling all things and holding all things together and keeping everything the way it is, what would happen to all of us? We'd all die. I mean, he's God. I mean, he said to Pharaoh, listen, I I like this. "Uh, If I'd really hit you, you'd be gone. He'd been holding back because he's all powerful. God's not saying, I just want you to see how tough I am. He's saying, I'm not even showing you how tough I am. If I'd really shown you what I could do, you'd all be dead. That's what he's telling them. If by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have all been cut off from the earth. There wouldn't be anything left of you. He's really saying, do you think these plagues are something? These plagues are nothing. These are nothing compared to what I can do. I mean, we think, we think that all of a sudden that God would make a river blood, and we go, oh, my gracious. God says, that's nothing. I mean, nothing. I mean, think about it. I made the river out of Nothing. I mean everything. I mean, there's nothing to me to make it blood, my gracious. You think it's anything for me to let bugs come up off the ground? You think it's anything for me to have a whole bunch of frogs? There's nothing. I can make a million frogs. I can make billions of frogs. I can do anything I want. And all I have to do is say it. That's all I have to do. God is the power of life and death. He can do anything. Our lives are in His hands. There's going to come a time when God's going to judge the world. John 3.36, he who believes, not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already. There's a judgment aspect, the wrath of God. John 3.36, the wrath of God abides. Now, he, he is he, he's saying all I want to make sure they understand. He says, I want you to understand that uh, if I really wanted to, I could wipe everything out. I mean, I'm holding back. I mean, this is not showing my power. This is showing that you don't have any power, and I'm God. Verse 16, he says, but indeed, for this reason, here's why I've been holding back. I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. Now, here's why I've been holding back. I've allowed you to remain just so you'll actually know who I am. I could kill you and you never know who I am. But that's not how I am. He said, I want to show you my power. I want to show you my power and I'll proclaim my name throughout the whole world. You would know who I am. L- listen to this. I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name throughout the earth. Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 9. For, this, for the Scripture says to Pharaoh... For this reason I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Paul quotes Exodus 9 verse 16 to show that God is the one working all things and that he raised Pharaoh up for a reason. We've been seeing the book of Esther in my Sunday school class. And one of the famous lines in the book of Esther is, For such a time as this. And I tell you that Pharaoh was raised up for that particular time, as was Moses, as was Aaron, as was Miriam, as you. Each one of us are raised up for such a time as this. And God could say, I raised you up so that, so that he could use your life for his glory. And sometimes he uses his lives of of unbelievers. I mean, God doesn't just use believers. He uses everything. He raised up Pharaoh for a particular reason. For this reason, I allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name throughout all the earth. He has allowed Pharaoh to live so that his name would be proclaimed. Why does God allow us to live? Why does God allow us to live? Look at this right here. Why would God allow us to live here? So we'd be his ambassadors? So others would know his power and greatness? Why do you think God's got us here? He did not need us, does he? He did not need us. He said, here's what I've got you here for. I've got you to proclaim my name so that my greatness would be known throughout all the earth. We can go into this community and we get to tell people. I don't know. We we act like nobody cares. We act like nobody wants to know anything. There are people out there dying, and they there's a spiritual dimension of people. There is uh, there is the law that is written in their hearts. There is a conscience in every person. In, Ex, in, in uh, Ecclesiastes talks about the conscience, and Romans talks about the, the 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 all the stuff inside of us, and the the eternity is in our hearts. There are people out there. They're saying, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'm looking for something. I don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. We got the answer. The greatest answer. For this reason, I have allowed you to remain in in order to show you my power, in order to proclaim my name throughout all the earth. But look what he says. Still, you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. It's pride, isn't it? Isn't that isn't that what we see in Pharaoh all the way through? Isn't that what we see in people? Have you ever talked to someone and you tell them that that they've sinned and come short of the glory of God and they might they might admit a little bit about it. And then you say, and the wages of sin is death, and we're supposed to have it but God loved us so much He's in his Son and Jesus died for you and He gives you eternal life and all you have to do is believe and they say, That's not right. It's too easy. I mean I think I think I think I, I, think I can I mean, I think I know what to do. I mean, what are they saying? I, think, not, I got the answer. He doesn't have the answer. I'm the one that knows what to do. I'm the one that decides what's right. That, that's what they're actually saying. It's pride. It's the same thing for those who are believers. And we know that as believers, what are we supposed to do with our lives? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to become disciples. We're supposed to say, Lord, take my life and use it for your glory. But what do we say? I, I kind of do my own thing. I mean, I do my own thing. You know, I'll, I'll call you if I need you. And there's sometimes I need you, but I don't, I don't need you all the time. Because I, I do my own thing. Isn't that what we think? A lot of times people think that. We see a contrast in this passage the power of God and the pride of Pharaoh. So far, we've seen all this. We've not even seen one mention of this. Because remember, he said, get up in the morning. Moses would probably say, okay, if it's in the morning, we're going to start. It looks like I'm going to start another three of these things, right? Let me ask you something. Um, does Moses have, Did Moses know on the front end that there were ten? Do we have any indication that Moses knew how many there were at all? I mean, all he knows is that God says, get up in the morning and go do this. Then go see Pharaoh and do this. Look, do this. Get up in the morning and go do this. Go see Pharaoh and do this. Do this. Get up in the morning. So you can see Moses going, I wonder how long this is going to go on. Because when we're looking at it going, there's ten. We didn't even have handouts on it. They didn't have any handouts. Moses could say, could I get that handout? I'd like to see it. I, Wow. Hmm. I'm pretty excited about the darkness one. That looks like a pretty good one that's going to come, right? I mean, that's what he may have thought. Who knows? Moses, Moses didn't have any idea how long this is going to happen. He probably thinks... When Pharaoh, because you read this and Pharaoh will say, okay, 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 call it off, I'll let you go. And then he changes his mind. Probably every time Pharaoh said, okay, call it off and I'll let you go, Moses probably may have thought that that was it. That, that, that's what, that snapped it. He He's through with us. God's going to let us go. Something changes this time. Watch. Verse 18. Here's. Here's the details. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will send a very heavy hail, such as has not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, he's going to have a hailstorm come, a very heavy hail. It's going to be a hailstorm. It's the worst one that had ever been in Egypt since there was a nation of Egypt. He said they've never had a hailstorm like this. Now, watch what he does, which he's never done before in these things. Now, therefore, send, bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home when the hell comes down on them will die. This is his warning. He gives them a warning. He warns them. He says, if they're left, if left, they will die when the hell comes. This is the first time he's told them, listen, uh, now let me ask you something. Did the river turn in the blood kill anybody that you know about? How about gnats? No. How about the frogs? No. What else? What else we had? We had flies. What else we had? Huh? Livestock, when all the livestock died, people didn't die. Huh? The boils? I, I don't know if it said anybody died from the boils. The, I mean, the, the, the magicians couldn't stand up. So, so far, what? These have been terrible plagues, but but what we can tell is people aren't dying, right? He says, if you don't get them out of the field, they're going to die on this one. Because it's going to be a hailstorm. You ever been hit by a hailstorm? Anybody been in a hellstorm got hit by hell? Even the little bitty ones, they hurt bad, don't they? They hit you on the head, you run for, you're running, you're trying to get under cover, that stuff's hitting you, and you go, this hurts. And you look down, it's about that big, and you go, boy, what if it was that big? Or that big? He says, you better get your people in. He warns them that if they believe him, they'll get their animals and people out of the field. Okay, get inside safety. Now, this is the truth of salvation. God warns the world. God warns the world that there's a judgment coming because the wages of sin is death. And what does he say? Here's the, here's the plan. There's a place of safety. It is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. By faith, you come to Jesus Christ. You'll be delivered from the wrath of God. I think I've got John three thirty six. That's the one that talks about if you believe you have eternal life, if you don't believe you've got the wrath of God, there's a judgment coming. What's the ultimate judgment? Separation from God. That's the judgment. God says, if you do not have righteousness, which comes by faith in Jesus Christ, and eternal life, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, you will be separated forever. I am warning you. That's what he's done. He's warned the world. He so loved the world. Simply the gift of eternal life. You know, I look around the room, I know everybody in the room, so I know all of, I mean, I'm assuming, it's not a good idea to assume, but I'm assuming every one of you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you say, yeah, I have eternal life, I know I'm saved. How many people do you and me, how many people do we come in contact with every day that we don't know if they know? I'm not saying they don't know, I'm saying we don't know if they know. So how are we going to find out if they know? We're going to have to ask them. We've got to, to talk to them. We're going to have to get the Gospel of John's and take them out and, and say, Hey, i got something for you. Here, read, read this. I mean, you'll love it. You'll love it. Let me ask you a question. See this thing on the back? What What do you think about that? These are people you come in contact with every day, isn't it? We're not talking about just walking outside, going to somebody's house you've never been to, knock on the door and say, Hi, I'd like to hand you this book. Right? No. We're talking about these are people you're in contact with all the time. Aren't there people you see every day you don't know if they're a Christian or not? You don't know? You may think they might be. You may say, they sure act like one, but that doesn't mean anything. Because there are a lot who act like one who aren't, and there's a lot who don't act like one that are. Right? So you can't go by actions. You have to go by what they believe. So when we go out these doors, maybe you ought to start thinking... What about these people I see every day? What about these people? Well, look at verse 20. The one among the servants, watch watch this, this is cool. The one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But the one who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Some believed and some didn't. That's the thing that you see over and over and over. Some believed the message and and that that there was a hailstorm coming. It would kill people if they stayed out. It would kill animals if they stayed out, get them all in. But the ones who paid no attention to the word of the Lord, they just, they said, no, they didn't believe it. And notice this. The inside is salvation, outside is death. In Jesus Christ is what? Eternal life. Outside of Christ is, is death. There is something about proclaiming the message that the message divides. There will always be people who believe and some people who won't believe. When Paul went to Acts 28, when Paul was put in prison, he went to Rome. He had an opportunity to speak. All these Jewish people, they all came up. And Paul's in house arrest. And he got to speak to him. And he proclaimed the truth of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection. And it says, Luke said, and some believed and some did not. Right? That's it. That's what we get. Watch, verse 22. Now the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that hell may fall on all the land of Egypt, on the man and on the beast, and on every plant of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. Here it comes. Here it comes. Moses stretched out his staff. Wait a minute. What's changed? It's, it's Moses who got it. You can see her and go, I, I thought I got to do the staff. No, no, no. I get to do the staff. Now, you've been the staff man. I'm the staff man now, right? Moses. Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, and the Lord sent the thunder and hail and what? What? Fire? Fire? I'd never read this very carefully, and I remember I was watching. Uh, is it the Ten Commandments, which is where Moses brings them out and, and is with Charlton Heston, and he goes, to the is it that the movie Ten Commandments? I was watching that movie. And on this particular plague, suddenly hell came down and rain and fire. And I said, fire? Fire? I went and got the Bible. And I said, it wasn't fire. It was fire. It was fire. It's not just hell coming down. It's not just things coming down. It's fire. Notice. Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hell and fire rain down on the earth. And the Lord rained hell on the land of Egypt. So there was hell and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hell, very severe, such as not been seen in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Some people say, well, that's lightning. He didn't say lightning. He said, what? Fire. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I mean, think about it. Worst it's ever been. This is the judgment against shu which is the god of atmosphere so here's here's out of the atmosphere out of the clouds comes this hail and all of those things and 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 the so the hell struck all that was in the field throughout all the land of egypt both man and beast the hell struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field does that sound familiar about trees and stuff falling down and all that we've kind of experienced a little bit of that we got nothing didn't we? i mean you got some wind and trees and things blew over and we looked outside our house and y'all probably looked outside your house and we're going look at that wind and look at that rain and all of this stuff we we were saying, boy, I'm glad it's raining, but I didn't want all the wind with it. But what What about this? Well, they didn't have the kind of houses like we have. What do you think it sounded like when all that was coming down and the lightning and the thunder? And so, now, you're Jewish. Guess what? Only in the land of Goshen were the sons of Israel where there was no hell. You know what they said? I don't think it's even cloudy over here. Right? <laughs> It doesn't even look cloudy. I mean, think about it. They're God's set-apart people. And when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, what do we call What's one of our names? Saints, which is the word hagios, which means set-apart people. That's who we are. We're set-apart. Well, look what happened. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them... You know, I almost see Moses sending in and back and said, I'm not coming to the hell so <laughs> What if he'd have said that? I'm sorry, I'm not coming there. I don't want to come in. Moses said. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned... Notice, I have sinned this time. The Lord is the righteous one, and I and my people are the wicked ones. How could he have said that? My gosh, you know what? You'll say anything when the hell's coming in the fire. Right? And he says... I've sinned, and the Lord is righteous. That, to me, it sounds pretty much like you're saying that God's God and you're not. Because you sin, but He's righteous. Make supplication to the Lord, for there's been enough of God's thunder and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. What if Moses said, whew, finally... This is it. This is this is it. I mean, he's, he's to the breaking point because he actually said he had sinned. God is righteous. He said, it's God's thunder in hell and I will let you go and you'll stay no longer. Finally, it has worked. How many times has he said this when he's in trouble? Every time he'll say, okay, okay, stop the plague and, and, and I'll take care of it. Look what Moses said. Moses said, That Moses said to him, As soon as I go out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be hell no longer. That you, just make sure you know that the Lord, the earth is the Lord's. It's God who's doing all of this. God controls. Not not any God of the atmosphere. The true God. But look at the next statement. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. What is Moses saying? What's Moses saying when he said that? There's probably going to be what? More plagues? Because I, I know you don't. You're just saying this. You're just saying it. Moses is beginning, as we might say, to wise up and say, I don't think... I mean, this guy I think he lies every time he gets in trouble and he says he'll let us go and then he won't let us go. And and I think if I'm Moses, I'd be saying, I'm how much more can this guy take? And if you've been reading, if you've been reading ahead at all, you're gonna see that God says another place coming and the people the people come to Pharaoh and said, When are you gonna let these people go? It's killing us. Let these people go. How much longer are we going to do this? Let them go because Egypt is destroyed. That's what the people told Pharaoh. So Pharaoh calls them back in and says, "Okay, uh, you can go, but here's the question: how, I mean, who who all's going, and how far are you going? And you're going to take all your animals? I don't think so. I don't think you can take. You can't take your kids. I mean, I mean, he comes up with all the stuff again because he's got to be in control. Now." He gives a little information, verse 31. Now, the flax and the barley were ruined, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not ruined, for they ripened late. Why did he put that in there, you think? Huh? Well, that's a, that's the point, but you know, th- there's going to be a plague of what coming next. Anybody remember? The locusts are going to come. Well, if everything's destroyed, what the locusts are going to eat? He just said, oh, by the way, I want you to know, there's going to be something for the locusts to eat. When I say they're going to come through and eat everything, there'll be some things left. Because I just wanted you to know they didn't it didn't destroy everything because not everything was was to a point that could be destroyed. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread out his hands to the Lord and the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured on the earth. Can you, If you were Moses, think about, it. you might begin to think, I can stop it. And you was like, no, 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 Moses, just remember, you're not stopping anything. It's God stopping it. See, sometimes when God uses us, sometimes people begin to think that they're the ones doing it. Like you get to do a Bible study and it, and, and it's God's word and, and something comes out good and somebody says, oh, I've first time I've ever understood that. And you think, yep. You say, "No, no, you got to realize that's not you. That's God using you. You're just an instrument. That's God's word. It's alive and powerfully sharpening two-edged sword. That's why it's so good to teach the scripture, because the scripture is what touches lives, not the speaker. It's not the messenger. It's the message. It's the word of God, which is alive and powerfully sharpening two-edged sword, and never comes back void. It's profitable. is the truth. Not the speaker. We all just instruments." We all got gifts, talents, abilities that he gave us. So you can't even say, look at the abilities that I have. No, look at the abilities God gave you. It's all from him. Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and hell ceased, and the rain no longer poured on the earth. When the Pharaoh saw the rain and hell and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart. Pharaoh's hardened his heart. He and his servants. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He did not let the sons of Israel go just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. God had already told him, don't worry. He's not going to let you go. He's sinned again. How? He hardened his heart. We've seen seven plagues. By the way, what's going to be the next thing? What are they going to do? They're going to go to Pharaoh. And then the one after that is going to be what? No warning. That's three, three, three. It's going to take us to the last one. Now, Moses doesn't have any idea how many numbers it is. The power of God, the response of Pharaoh, pride. Well, God brings the seventh plague. Purpose is they know God, the warning to escape. If they believe, they get inside. If they don't believe, they're outside. The sword came and killed and destroyed. Pharaoh said, I've sinned. The Lord is righteous. The sword stopped. And he said, no, I don't think I'm going to let you go. We'll see next week. The people start coming to him and saying, How much longer are you gonna put up with this? And like just let him go. Just let him go. Application. Respond to God's provision of salvation. I mean, when you see Pharaoh, let me ask you a question. Could Pharaoh have believed in the true God of Israel? He, could, he, could he not have yeah I mean there's nothing that says Pharaoh couldn't have believed let me ask you something could Judas have believed in Jesus Christ as his savior could have. I mean could have we're not saying that there's nothing there that says you're not capable of believing no listen, respond because a, we are sinners and God is righteous I mean we got we' got to have a savior. Because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God is perfectly righteous. And a sinful being can't be in the presence of the perfect righteous God for all eternity. It's not going to happen. So God has a provision. God has provided a Savior. He has sent the Savior, Jesus Christ. Just like the warning to the Egyptians, get in and you'll be saved. He'll say this, get in to Jesus and you'll be saved. You ever realize the ark at Noah's time is a picture of Christ? They were in the ark and they were saved. You're in Jesus Christ and you're saved. That's a picture. Everything in the Bible points somehow to God, His salvation, His character, His Savior, Jesus Christ. By faith in Christ, we have eternal life. We're saved from the wrath to come. Well, you know, we've been studying the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings. Is it clear or What? I mean, isn't it just over and over again that it's believing in him for eternal life and you're saved and you're saved? I give you for eternal life. You will live forever. I mean, it's just over and over and over. Huh? I mean, how much better could it be? There are people in pride who think that they can do something to save themselves. Before I trusted Christ, I was 19. Before, before I was 19, if you'd have said to me, you're going to heaven? I'd say, yeah. Why? Because I've, I've done more good than bad. I actually thought I could do good more than bad, and I could, go, I could get to the living God because I did more good than bad? I, I didn't even know how bad I was, right? So when I did good, I probably did it out of pride, right? That's bad. Huh? He's our Savior. As set-apart believers that serve Jesus Christ... First Corinthians 6, 9, 20 and 20. What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our bodies as children of God. We get to serve the living God. Think about that. I don't know whether... What, here's, what I, here's what I've been thinking. I think we're all so busy and we're all so tired that we almost don't have enough energy to share our faith. We just, there's too many other things to do, too many other distractions, too many places to go, too much to worry about, too much to be bothered about, that we don't even think about as we go through our days to share our faith with people. We're too, too busy and too tired. And maybe we ought to slow down. Because we've got the greatest message of all and there are people out there who don't know it. And they need to know the Savior. May we come to God's provision, Jesus Christ, to be saved from the judgment to come. And as those who belong to Christ, may we serve him as set-apart people. We'll see that. Let's pray. Uh, if you've got questions or comments, we'll do it. Heavenly Father, what a great, great night, great passage, Lord. Thank you, Lord, again, for us seeing your power and majesty and strength and glory and all of that and how you are working all these things. And, and uh, Lord, how we see Moses was obedient and how Pharaoh was prideful and how that you are the living God and the true God and you have a Savior and you have a provision for us so that we won't have to be separated from you and, and, and that we can have eternal life and that as a child of God, as a set-apart believer, you can use us for your glory, Lord. May we be faithful, not only to believe in Jesus Christ, your Savior, and have eternal life, but to be faithful to serve him while we're on this earth. Lord, stir up in all of us, myself especially, Lord. Stir us up to want to tell people to buy Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.